what I'm realizing now is we're actually all going through a near-death experience collectively. Now, I'm okay with it because I've been there, but others won't be because they they've not they don't like the expansion because with the expansion of knowledge, yeah. if people have an habitual mind where they're comfortable with their habit, they're comfortable with their beliefs, and I now know that beliefs are not uh, open; they're a closed system. A belief is an is an absolute closed. This is this. This is that. And what happens is when the energy starts to increase, that belief, for want of a better word, is like a bubble. It expand. It's forced to expand, and they go, "No, no, no! I want to keep. No, I want my belief like this." But eventually, the energy becomes too strong. It expands it and shatters it. That's mm. a very, it's a very brutal process. People who aren't ready, as you know, prior to having a spiritual awakening, and then having it can be quite brutal. It was brutal for me. It just totally ripped my life apart. So. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow, I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? And welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. It's always wonderful to be with you again. I have the gorgeous... John Scott with me on the show today. Don't pull those faces, John. Welcome, John, to the show. Hi. Hi. So we were just yakking, 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 and I'm like, let's shut up and press the recording. Uh, John's like, how did you find me? And I said, oh, someone reached out to me like a while ago and said, look at this guy, put him on your show. And then John's not really one of those people that's like, Yes, yes, let me talk about myself. Let me talk about myself. So he didn't really sort of like actively pursue my request. And then I forgot about him <laughs> until recently. And he came across my path again. And we were just saying it's all perfect because the, it's like it's the day divine after, timing. Divine timing. Yes. Day after the activation or two days after the activation. And we're going to. Yeah, talk. actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, I like that. Uh, that term activation, especially with Uluru, and uh, I think especially being um, Anglo-Saxon as we both are. I mean, we're just, uh, I'm now, what, sixth generation Australian through my uh, father's side. And um, I had a stepfather who was Indigenous. And I think we're starting to wake up to Indigenous ideas, whereas prior uh, our parents' generation, they're sort of fairly separate. But in my case, my stepfather was Indigenous. So it was, wasn't was highly discussed, but it was accepted, definitely accepted. And so, yeah, our generation is now, or the old generations have been here a lot longer rather than, say, migrants who've come in and they're only first generation. Uh, they still see Australia as uh, a place to live, whereas once, um, or anybody who's done a bit of bushwork and travelled and uh, gone to sacred sites, you realise, no, it's much more subtle and it starts to break down into energies of gender and, you know, feminine, masculine, uh, no-go areas. And also, you know, it just keeps on going. It's like another map, as you know. So, oh, absolutely. I was just telling John that I've just come back from 
uh, being in the forest and he said where were you and I said oh you know near the Co the Kolo River and he's yeah. like synchronistically that's exactly where you had your experience your near-death experience like I'm blown mm. away at that but let well, me the Kolo just... well the Kolo River flowed around the area that I was at I was further up uh, in the mountains near on the, the other mountains side, yeah over Blackheath actually but the Kolo River flows right around flows right right yeah right but let me just tell you a little bit about John uh, so you know who I'm talking to <laughs> John Scott is an Australian contemporary artist, celebrated, quite well-known, beautiful artist, and the author of the book, God's Mountain. In the early 90s, John had an out-of-body near-death experience when he ate mushrooms while trekking through the Australian bush, which is what we're talking about near the Colo River and the Blue Mountains. Yeah. After this experience, John became a recluse studying many subjects related to religion, metaphysics and other mind-related topics. John writes about his near-death experience and how he was taken back millions of years in the past when he started asking questions like what's the origin of the Great Pyramids and more. John says about his art, for me, everything is a cosmic dance constantly unfolding from source. Source is everywhere and nowhere manifesting constantly and simultaneously. My job as an artist is to hold still long enough in my mind to understand the mystery of its origin, void of labels. Don't you love that? His website is johnscottartist.com. Wow, you've had an adventurous life, both uh, with a lot of experiences and then delving deep within as you said becoming the recluse and really trying to understand your experience um yeah look that's a pretty good intro and it's like um I thought, <laughs> I, yeah well let's let's pull it apart um originally i was an atheist and um uh, having a near-death experience i mean it's not uh, it's not as uncommon as i thought see i didn't yeah. even uh, i didn't even realize that i died because i hadn't been in a car accident like i'm, I'm a member of the nde forums uh, i talk to other ndes but i generally don't um spend a lot of time reading other ndes because i had one myself and it's the odd occasion that i do hear about them i obviously we have a subjective slant on this uh our experience uh whether engineered personally or there's information to pass over, you know, for the planet, it's, it, you know, it, it um, the angle or the information that comes through the ND is relevant um, for each subjective person. In my case, I was an atheist and um, I mean, just going through the NDE again is quite vast. And I, as I said, I'm not plugging my book for the sake of it, but the amount of information that came through was staggering because I was conscious enough to realize um, I thought, look, I've got something powerful in front of me, deity, you know, God, everybody uses that three-letter word as a throwaway. And that word's been sullied, really, because um, of the connections uh, via religion, like, you know, God did this or God did that or God told me to do this and that. And then we've had wars over, you know, whose God's the biggest and it's still ongoing today. <clears throat> so I tend to flip through various uh, words describing it because deity or source is ineffable it's something you can't pinpoint through the box of human consciousness unless you've experienced it directly as i have and others um, and again all models and descriptors melt they, they break down so i was taken right out of 
my human body um it didn't my human body i realized um was not even made of anything it's everything is energy the whole universe is energy and uh, this thing we call a body is just this dense shell that um subtler forms of energy then emanate into uh for a very short time um and uh in my particular experience i misidentified uh what they call the Amanita muscaria mushroom. And that, that it's not a hallucinogen because I had uh, LSD as a kid and I'm not ashamed to say it. I mean, this sort of stuff was going on when I was younger. And uh, ironically, four to six decades later, they're now talking about uh, legalizing cannabinoids and things like this that were considered, you know, a criminal offense back then. So for health reasons, I say yes, you know, uh, but I, I don't do drugs now. I'm not a big drug taker at all. In fact, I don't need anything. Um, but uh, my experience, as I said, was quite vast. Uh, I ended up being taken through uh, the natural environment, driven by the sound of insects, initially crickets, which expanded into uh, an absolute cosmic explosion of interconnections and uh okay, i'm just going to stop you there having just come yes. back from the bush crickets or cicadas no they were definitely crickets, crickets. uh cicadas uh it wasn't uh, i don't even think it was summer from memory that i was in right uh, i was in a mid probably autumn so crickets are there as we know in the bush every day but when i was in the mountains i mean as you know you get up into the blue mountains they're a great pristine environment yeah and um everything's heightened once you're there the blue mountains mm. Uh, which is on another subject, talking about Indigenous uh, beliefs. I lived up there for a while, and um, all around Blackheath, um, even the Blue Mountains themselves, are a very big iron deposit. And the iron amplifies uh, all frequencies, and a lot of white people go mad up there. This is what mm. I was told by an elder up there. Right. And I didn't, I didn't find this out till later, of course. I thought, ah, this makes sense. This is why I keep seeing people as animals and... And, you know, like this is taking it out there, but I started seeing people shape-shifting and I was seeing um, spirits up there, actual manifesting spirits. Okay, hang on, hang on. I'm just trying yeah. to put this in some linear form. All yeah, right, so sure. you're trekking through the Australian bush. You yeah. come across a mushroom. You think, oh, that looks Well, good. I gathered it. I gathered it for dinner. I mean, I used oh, to collect dinner. mushrooms right. as a kid, you know, right. like with my parents. Like we always did this. We went fawning, fishing, mushrooms. And you took it yeah. home to have to cook it for dinner? No, no, I had it there. I had it oh. there when I camped overnight. And, so, and oh, you're camping overnight, you're in a campsite. And then, yes, yes. And then you, did you start to feel sick? Uh, did well, you pass no, out? No, no, no. I ended up, I felt um, more of an expansion. I felt altered is, is a good word to put it. Right, sort of, and right. I started to expand and I thought, oh, what's going on here? And I thought I'd never had like a, a full-blown body expansion like this. right. And so I thought I'd been poisoned, actually. I thought, oh, no, I've eaten something. And you've got to remember, we didn't have uh, mobile phones, or they call them cell phones in the US. We didn't have cell phones back then. So I thought, oh, it sort of flashed through my mind. I thought, oh, you know, what happens if I collapse? But um, I, I let that go because whatever was in that particular species of mushroom, it seems to uh, allay fears. Very often it allays fears. So say, for example... You know, I'd had um, stuff prior and you get paranoid and carry No, no, there was no paranoia at all with this. Right. It seemed to just put me into a right here now. I was right in the expansion, no fear. And I just thought, oh, 
there was no other emotions attached to it other than I was just stepping back from myself, looking at myself. So as I started to expand and it started to accelerate, it was probably about, I don't know, half an hour after I'd eaten. And, I, and it was gentle. I wasn't really, it didn't happen fast, but it actually went on an exponential curve. Mm-hmm. So it got stronger and stronger, if that makes sense. So I couldn't sort of fight it. You don't fight things like this. So mm-hmm. I ended up thinking, okay, so I put the fire out, hopped into my tent, thought, well, if I go, I go. I mean, whatever's happening to me, I'll, I'll just sleep it off. If I don't wake up, that's, this is, you know, Bob's your uncle. <laughs> yeah. To I people think, well, watching, Bob's your uncle yeah. is Australian saying, Bob's your yeah. uncle. <laughs> it so means, like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So I thought, oh, here we go. <clears throat> but it didn't stop. And what happened then is uh, the experience started off with the crickets. As you said, they weren't cicadas because cicadas can drive you bonkers, as we know. They get oh, up they to that crescendo. So loud. Yeah. Oh, anyway, go on. Yeah, so crickets. And they, can, they can really, you wish you didn't have eardrums sometimes around those things. But... I just, look, I was listening to you talk about the expansion on another show, on Jeff Mara's show. Yeah. And, uh, and you went into the expansion. I, and I remember I, I, I had asked a question. Like, what's all this Indian guru about? And your description of your expansion was exactly what I experienced when I asked that question while massaging the yes. client. Yes. It felt physical. It felt like your physical body was expanding. Is that what you felt like you were like? Correct. Correct. Well, my consciousness was expanding into an area that wasn't my mind. And, but I realized it was my mind because the mind is actually, now I know, is not part of the hard space or the brain. The mind's in your body. You know, this is where like mass, massage, uh, people who do massage and, and all that body-related uh, kinesthetic um, uh, health work, healing work, they know that, you know, trauma can be stored anywhere in the body. Um, and, you know, on a larger scale, trauma can be carried through, uh, well, epigenetically, it can be carried through uh, multiple lives. And this is another area that, because I was an atheist, I didn't believe in past lives. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this came later in my experience um, when I was actually eventually taken to the light. So I, there was a process where I'd gone through nature and I saw the interconnection of everything. But due to my job, because I was uh, an illustrator with advertising at the time, and I used to do a specific form of illustration, which involved cutting frisket, like cutting uh, little bits of uh, masks and then spraying it with an airbrush. So millions of hours of looking at the end of a scalpel and really having to cut absolutely really tight masks, like there was no room for error or minimum room for error. <clears throat> I realized that this was a form, like a one-pointed meditation. It trained my mind to focus like a laser. Mm. And this helped me immensely when I was um, totally expanded and gone because if I had have wandered with my mind, I could have been lost and literally gone mad. I don't know what would have happened because it didn't happen, but I intuited that if I had have gone out and with no mind training, I, I would have lost the plot and possibly left my body and never come back. I would have died on that, on that night, you know, all those years back. So after I'd gone through nature, I'd seen the seasons I saw the earth breathing. I saw the seasons swirling around the planet, changing through the seasons from autumn to summer, right around the cycle. But it created like a differential movement, if that makes sense. Like this, mm. it was like this bubble of energy just moving around and all the energy from forests and trees, rocks, rivers, everything 
was flowing into the next season. So it was actually bouncing on the inside of the planet in a, a, a quarter, is that like in quarters, if that's the only way to say it, but it was an ongoing, it wasn't divided into four specific seasons, as you know, because it's mm -hmm. transitory. We only mark seasons by one day at the equinox and the solstice, mm. but it was much more flowing than that. And I thought, wow. And the trees knew when they were being chopped down. So I've really looked at nature completely different now um, in terms of they're alive, they're living beings. Let me get back to that. The trees knew when they were going to be chopped down. No, when they were being chopped down, they actually knew they were being like, killed and chopped down. They knew. They right. didn't know prior. I, I, don't, I can't really be that succinct about whether they knew prior. I can say this, that certain species of plants, especially the uh, con what I call connectors to the cosmos, like uh, indigenous people call them sacraments, uh, they decide they have a consciousness that's different, uh, much more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're much more conscious on a cosmic level so they can choose to move. Uh, like say, for example, the cactus or the mushroom in America, it might say we're under threat by abuse because hominids are eating us out of existence. So they'll, they'll spore into another country to hide and then grow somewhere else. I know that sounds crazy, but they no, have a consciousness. No, it doesn't sound crazy at all. Sounds like So they decide sense. to move away to, to protect themselves right. from abuse, right? Yeah. And, and, the and trees the same? Like trees will like send Not so much, not so much, but they may, be, they may be, this gets into another level where we transcend pantheism, where pantheism is the worship of the earth as, as cognitive species. There's also deity which comes later in my nde but deity will guide humans uh even if they're veiled to actually take seeds and species and you know like you might say 200 years ago you might have got a botanist say for example to take seeds from australia back to england and so it, what what prompts him to do that is possibly he may not be fully cognitive of why he's doing it or the asymmetrical reasons why they do it so we do a, an event we do something and then 20 years later we go, oh, that's why that happened. Isn't that lucky that we did that? Yeah. So that's how things may move around. I can't say definitively that's how it works, but I've had insights into um, that sort of activity. So, um, so the yeah. seasons, you saw the seasons? Yeah, the seasons and that showed. Um, so that was giving me uh, an insight into time itself. Right. And, uh, and then it slowed down, then it sped up. And so I was getting used to what I was seeing. And for, that, was, that happened for a reason which was much more important later, uh, when I say later, later in the journey, um, because I eventually expanded out into the cosmos and saw the stars which were heightened. Um, I saw uh, stars communicate, suns communicate. They have a different um, frequency. Everything has a frequency, this much I did know. But the most important part that I'd found in nature was that everything had... Um, a crystalline substrate in it, meaning possibly on a quantum level. And so this is what I cover in my book in great detail, uh, that trees have, they absorb micro, micro crystalline um, content out of the soil. You know, so, uh, rocks have crystalline content. Everything has crystalline content in it. And this is the, the interface of the communication. So it's 
to give an example, radios in the old day, they, the old days they had, or even computers, they have silicon, uh, which is a form of crystal uh, coming from, you know, out of sand. I mean, it's crystals communicate, they, they create piezoelectric, uh, when you squeeze them and bend them, they create energy and they create current. <clears throat> so our body is also uh, riddled with silica uh, in our blood. And we also have iron, which will make sense later. But the silica is the communicative interface. So whatever was going on uh, with my imbibing of that particular species, the spore or something in the mushroom, I'm not a chemist, I don't, I don't study chemistry of, of, of these things, but they actually create or open gates. So they're like keys and they open gates in our whole consciousness, which is, just flows with these spore and it opens, it's like keys go into receptors. And once that happens, uh, it opens gateways into expansionary uh, aspects of consciousness. So people, you know, materialist science keeps talking about, you know, the brain's a hard space, especially in regards to NDEs. And so they've tried to box paranormal phenomena into uh, material known, um, you know, science, and it doesn't work because um, consciousness is non-local, it's everywhere. And they just keep denying it, denying it, denying it. And yet there's, there's tons of evidence. I mean, they've done double blind experiments on telepathy and things like this. But the problem is that uh, as soon as you have a negative thought about it, it actually cuts it off. So they're subjectively cutting off the experiment through a preconception of their outcome. So if they say, well, we, we're gonna prove this wrong, it, will, it won't work. If they say we're going to prove this right, it will work. And that's the nature of quantum, uh, the cutting edge notion of quantum mechanics, that we create our own reality by our thoughts. Hallelujah. <laughs> right? So we create what happened all of it. Is, yes, we create all of it. Now, the trick is remaining in the right creative forces if we want to move forward. And so I found out, uh, uh, let, let's go back to this crystalline substrate, okay, because it's important. Now they're finding that these spores in, in a lot of mycelium, which are the mushroom, that's a, a mushrooms, mycelium, they actually communicate and hold whole forests together and they, they uh, communicate with trees via the root system and science is now discovering what I'd seen 30 years ago. Uh, and if a tree is struggling or a section of the forest is struggling, the mycelium will actually communicate through the root system and bring nutrients from healthy trees to you know, trees that are not so healthy. So this is how the whole dynamic of a forest might work, but it goes much further than that, from what I saw, where whole species will communicate right across the planet. And they all have a uh, vibration uh, of communication. And this also leads into other areas of evolution. Now, I think there's an author called Rupert Sheldrake. I haven't fully... Mm seen a lot of his work, uh, intuitively understand where he's coming from. And I agree with his model of where evolution is going. That, but it goes much deeper than that because there's frequencies on so many levels, they're infinite. So just, uh, just as you're talking about it, I'm just sort of tuning mm. into this whole connected ecosystem, just sort yes. of tuning into what you're saying. And it, it's just... So, so beautiful, this community of communion and communication. Ooh. Right. Communion's a good word. Thank mm. you, Cara. Communi communion is a fantastic word because 
we've heard it so often, especially with the, uh, say, the Catholic Church and Ecclesia, uh, and they talk about communion, uh, having communion with God, okay? Let's break this down. Firstly, you know, we look at the, the sacrament that uh, the communion is um, surrounded, which is the, one of the most sacred aspects of communion is taking the litmus bread or the little thin bread and the wine. Now, as I said, I was not religious when I was younger, but I've since studied religion, and I even thought I was going to do theology. Uh, but the problem is theology is taught through the lens of uh, a vast amount of ignorance. They don't want to go into the paranormal, and yet the whole underpinning notion of religion is paranormal in concept, whereas they speak to an invisible deity. The problem is with a lot of religion as opposed to a Gnostic experience, uh, like an NDE or an OBE, uh, is that they objectify all forms of paranormal activity outside of themselves. So God is out there, the devil's out there, angels are out there, nature's out there, everything's out there. And I would say, what's in you then? What's in you? And, and they go, you know, I've had many conversations. I say, what? I said, well, what's inside you? You've basically pushed everything outside of you and you're, you're separated yourself from all of it. No, God's in you, nature's in you, angels are in you, deity is in you, nature's in you. And you've so, only got to look at the biology of how we're made up. It's all microminerals from the earth. It's all in us. So when you were out, when you were out, and as I, as I say out, out of your awareness of your physical body and in the yes. expansion of consciousness, that mm. you were perceiving that all of it is you, like all of it. Like well, I hadn't, no, not, not initially, because I was still me. I was still John. I was still separate. But the levels that I was going into were wild. I mean, I, as I said, I was seeing crystalline content. But this was prepping me for later in the experience. It was all prepped and it may, possibly it was all predestined. Mm -hmm. So I, w I could still say I was in a rock or I was in a tree because as, as a human, we're brought up and we, uh, we have environmental uh, inputs. So when we're young, you know, we're brought up, we know what a tree is because we see it and we're told, label, tree. And we might even plant some trees. Farmers, you know, like plant trees and, and food and such. So through our human five sensory perceptions, we uh, get to box things. We box things in labels and we have this constructed reality through linear hierarchical knowledge and most knowledge yes for want uh, of a of a process hierarchically through time we grow through um, empirical growth through knowledge on top of knowledge masters on top of masters and we would we would hope that we would learn through that process uh, whether it be psychological biological whatever and we're now living in uh, the, probably, I'd say, the twilight years of material science because material science needs to catch up about uh, uh, consciousness itself and how does consciousness relate? Because consciousness is the last frontier to understand uh, who we really are. And this is where all the answers come from consciousness. We actually project consciousness onto uh, uh, whatever we're studying. So nobody can say they have an absolute truth except in rare rare occurrences where you can experience an absolute but it's still subjective uh, a subjective experience according to the others that actually 
listen to well, my experience or your experience. So science uh, really falls apart when you have subjectivity. They fall apart because they don't like subjective input. Uh, there are anomalies. They like to put them outside of the framework of their science, which is, um, that's not good science as far as I'm concerned. Science is meant to be an open system. And that's what I found with the earth. It's an open system. And we're not just confined to the earth or this biosphere. We're influenced from what I saw, possibly that these mycelium spore permeate the whole universe. Now they're finding mycelium spore in the stratosphere you know, this is all fact, uh, but there's also our atmosphere is porous. So these mycelium may be, I'm saying with quotes, may be the basis behind bringing life to other planets. I'm talking biological life. So the spore, and they are hard as diamonds, by the way, so they can actually exist in space. Yeah. You know, they, they don't get destroyed that easily uh, unless they get sucked into a sun and burnt, but I really don't know. Yeah. Right. I remember hearing that mushroom was the only vegetable that they knew of that you could grow in space because it didn't need sun or oxygen to survive. I didn't know that. Right. I didn't know Yeah, that. and I was thinking years ago uh, before we all talked about ingesting mushroom and going on trips and stuff, I remember thinking, um, oh, they're aliens. <laughs> Mushrooms are aliens. Right, right. <laughs> well, isn't that interesting that that's the first thought that pops up because mm. that's a very good um, breakthrough. Uh, because later on, <clears throat> excuse me, later on, when I uh, ended up going through, um, well, I expanded through into a void, like a dark space. And this is when it really got interesting. Um, I went to this totally void, dark area. It had no, uh, no visual whatsoever. I was just in this black space. My consciousness, I was aware that I was aware of my consciousness. But there was nothing. And I got a little bit scared at that point. I thought, oh, I've, ne I've never ever, I can't relate to this. I've never been micro thoughts. And I remember it like yesterday. And I thought, oh, God, what, what happens? You know, what's happening here? Anyway, uh, a gate manifested. When I say a gate, I intuitively knew it was a gate. It didn't look like your gate on your front fence, but it was just this particular opening in an energetic field. And I knew that if I went through there, that was it. I just, I, not that I had no concept of death, so it wasn't like I was going to die, but I just knew, oh, if I go through that, something big was going to happen. Anyway, a guide or a spirit appeared. I had no concept of that. I just felt a presence, mm -hmm. couldn't see it. Um, and I thought, oh, and it felt benevolent, like not a nasty energy. And I, and I felt that it was prompting me to make a decision. It was not going to make the decision for me. You know, when you said gate, it's so brilliant. I, I got immediately a choice point, a choice. Point. Yes, I chose to pass through that gate. And mm. the difference here is, remember, I was saying earlier, I could actually go wherever my mind wanted to go. Mm -hmm. You could go and you were there instantly. There was no time lag. Bang. You, you could have been on a planet or stars or anything instantly yeah. on a rock or, you know, it was so fast. It yeah. was, there was no, no time delay. Mm. But there was a process which any process, as you know, whether you're baking a cake or going to work or anything involves going from A to B. And that mm -hmm. denotes time and movement through uh, the laws of um, movement or laws of motion, Sir Isaac Newton. So we have, this is, you know, we're trained 
to do this in this dimension. We walk to the park, we go to work, we go out, we, you know, on and on. <clears throat> so there's this process of time. So we're working with time all the time. But when I was in this state, time was radically expanded and contracted depending on what I was being shown. So that really mm. screwed me up. I thought, well, this is like, you know, I had to really control my mind to slow things down. And when I did, information poured in, and I'm, and I'm going back to these crystalline, like inside anything has this crystalline hub. And when I focused on it, looked at it, now really tight crystals, um, it, more information would come in related to that particular subject. This is why it really became overwhelming. And it was, you couldn't put it into words. It was just um, pure, raw information that was being jammed into me, into my consciousness that made no sense. I knew it was communication, but I didn't know what it was communicating. And that, that's why I held it for so long. And then the information came. So I thought, wow, you know, so this was the build, the whole build up to getting to this void and then this gate. So I go through, I, I, I remember the words I said, oh, what the heck? That was the words I said, or oh, what the hell or what the heck? That's what I said. And I went through. And when I you thought, made the choice go. to go. Yeah, yeah. And after that, as soon as I hit that, I went through the gate. There was this tunnel and it was, for me, it was made of like white light, filaments of white light streaming, all packed in together. And instantly I felt love from that point like a love not not that i'd felt that in i didn't feel that in the landscape but i'd felt it on the tunnel and i thought there was like a magnetic pull if you will and it was um calling me to go somewhere but not calling like hey john it was just this pull this magnetic pull and it felt right i thought wow and i'd had an nde as a kid in the tunnel this very same tunnel i thought i recognize this place so boom so i pushed with my mind and the guide wasn't evident, but then I would come to another, a different kind of a gate, like ethereal crystal gate. But this, they were closed and then they would change shapes and then I would go through. Once the, the gate had changed a few times, like folded, it would open up and I would go through that gate. And I intuitively felt, hmm, what are these gates? And look, I don't like to put words on them, maybe dimensions, but different dimensions i was going deeper and deeper into dimensions but what i'd found, i pretty much found out later through um it all came back to me like 20 years later like a zip file they, they were actually speeds of light because i remember asking the light where it was and um it actually gave me a succinct answer and it said we're close to 50 times the speed of light and so that to me is just a it's just a label it's just a number it didn't mean anything until uh, you put it in context, like the context of being human, and we are below one speed of light. So they're at 50 times the speed of light. How in hell do we communicate? How does this all work? How is How, it in interconnected? It's just beyond known science. And so what I'd seen when I, well, I finally arrived at the light and a form of osmosis, like telepathic osmosis, meaning it was just soaking into me it, there was no need to say anything with some of it you just knew and i knew i've been here millions of times before and it was home and i was just stunned absolutely stunned uh shocked stunned it's not the right of the words because they're human emotions but you i still had control of whom my soul was i was still john as a conscious john 
but no body. I was, but I'm in this raw state and everything could be seen. It was like you're totally and utterly naked. Everything can be seen. And this became evident later um, because I did get a review, but it wasn't about this John life. I got shown um, tens of lives. Some of them have been veiled. Uh, a lot of them have unraveled. Um, and I, but I knew I'd been there millions of times before. And I thought, wow. And I, and I knew this. I just knew it. So instantly I thought, oh, the soul survives. It, it goes on. It goes on and on and on. There's no end to this. And this is very disconcerting for people who have a linear concept of birth, death, then heaven. And this is why, well, I'm sort of jumping a bit here because it's so vast and expansive. It's hard not to jump around and get confused. Um, Initially, I was looking at the light and um, it introduced itself. And that in itself was a bit of a shock. And then I was shifted over, meaning there's aspects of the light that are still separate, but it's still the light, if that makes sense. It's still one. And I didn't understand. And I asked, where are you? That was the first question. I said, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Because I traveled this long distance in my mind. Remember the A to B linear traveling. And it just said, we, we it used the term we, not I. It said, we are everywhere. And I didn't understand and it knew I didn't understand instantly. Even, even though it had telepathically just delivered this, we're talking telepathy, there's no mouth, all telepathy, okay? And this is the literal telepathy, not the osmosis telepathy where it, the stuff soaks into you. This is like you're talking with something and it knows everything. Or, or it, I perceived it to know everything because every answer I had, bang, it was so fast. So I said, well, where are you? I still didn't understood, and it knew. And then, pow, it merged with me. And when that happened, I mean, this is all done in love. It's not like uh, I was destroyed. There was no me. It was like destroyed's not a good word. That sounds harsh. Um, blended, merged, like a drop of water into an ocean's a good metaphor. It's still, uh, it's not uh, as expansive. I mean, I know how big an ocean is, but this was infinite. It was just beyond anything I can put into words. I became the whole universe. I became it. It is the whole universe, this light. But it's still, there's a part that's separate. And this is, I tried to look into it because I actually popped back out and I was me again. And I was just like speechless, absolutely speechless. And I get a bit emotional about it. Sorry. Don't apologize. Get emotional. It's beautiful. It's the, no, because you're taking me there as much as I can be there while sitting in this lilium. It's it's just mind. you know I just wished everybody could have this experience because you know excuse me excuse me I just need to pause for a bit because it takes me back to that point and I didn't want to come back. You know, obviously, why would you want to? <laughs> you're engulfed in something so primordially primordially pure the love you don't you don't experience anything like this on the planet it's impossible but you know it's right and you know you come from it you know you know you're all connected we all come from it and yet we've we're lost we've actually incarnated here and we've been lost in darkness and so i suppose this is why light beings come periodically through our time punctuated and it could be thousands of years prior to each incarnation they come to remind us that we are stuck and we're down here in this dimension but this is not it 
you, you know, and this gets into the bigger picture of the downloads that I got. So, cause I started to ask questions. I thought I got something pretty powerful here. I still had not cognized that it was God because I had no concept of God. Um, I was just in this light, this lights everywhere. And I tried to see through it. If there was something beyond, no, it was, it was so pure. It had no dimension to it. And yet it was everything and nothing. All these conundrums come up. Mm. It knew everything, but it was like a baby. So mm. this is what, what drives the, uh, the actual process of expansion into the universe. Deity, for want of a better word, God, it, the source, it needs to know. That's why it expanded in the first place. That was the initial drive to expand what they call, whatever you want to call it, the big bang or the big expansion, the big alm, as Buddhists joke. Um, it wants to know. So what it expands into pure darkness and then sends fragments of itself in the form of uh, you know, little light balls that actually then hop inside uh, intelligent species. And we are an intelligent species. We're just ignorant. But it, these little soul balls go into these physical bodies and then we go and search and we discover new things so that when we pass over, we take it back to the light. And it grow, you might just go back with one bit of information, you know, and that's what it wants to know. It wants to grow. It just needs to know and experience. So it's experiencing through us. However, so I started to ask, uh, I thought, well, I've got something powerful here and I think it can answer a few questions. Now, this is where it gets kind of funny because I, you know, what question would you ask, Karen? Really, what would you ask, you know, if you were in my position? You know, I'm this atheist nobody, you know, kid with no education. <clears throat> and I, that didn't come into it. I didn't think about myself like this, but I just thought. Um, let me just ask you a question. Yeah. There's so many things I want to say because it's just sure. sparking a million questions. But I just, Go for it. Uh, were you asking the question still attached to your identity as John? Yes, I was. This is but, after the merge. Yes, I was. Yeah. So I you're was still me. So you're merged with the all, but you're still me. You're still. Well, it, no, it let me. It temporarily took me into its light. Yeah. And became it. So there was no identity for that fraction. And that's when, but I couldn't cognize it until it separated me back again as yeah. John. Right. And then I could understand what happened. Yeah. That's okay. taken me 30 years. That just didn't happen at that point event. Yeah. It kept going when I yeah. came back as so well. So it's giving you the experience yes. of, it's like giving you this experience of um, being one with the being consciousness one with of all you that are is. One. Yes. And then like, and like rubber banding back to the John consciousness. Yeah. So I went that into it, became everything, and, and then back and out, that. and then spat me out yeah. again. But I'm in front of it again, like how I'd arrived. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. but that that shocked me. It was so shocking in the terms of awe that um, that aspect must have been like oh, 20, 30 seconds. I didn't know what to say because I was just so stunned. And so that's when I thought, well, that's when I could feel that my consciousness as John, um, I could move. There's still like a front and a back. This makes no sense, but the front, I'm in front of this, this light's there. I'm not merged with it by this stage. I'd already merged and demerged. Mm. 
But then my consciousness, my conscious, my questions were coming from behind my consciousness, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That was like me here behind and then this thing in front. And so and there's nothing to grasp onto visually because mm. it's just light. You can't grasp onto say it's like putting two light bulbs right in your eyes and saying, "Hey, look for, look for the insects." It doesn't work like that. It's just it's just light. So there's no form. It's there's nothing to grasp onto. No no identifiable anthropomorphic image. Yeah. So this is why uh, you know I have since read other NDEs and they get a bit confused about all of this anthropomorphic imagery and I can explain why that is um, only in my subjective terms. So I start. I said, uh, okay, I need to ask this in questions because yeah, it's like you. You know, once I, you start, you're already getting asking me questions and your head's filling up with questions. Like you've got hold of something. Yeah. Like a school teacher, and you say, you're this kindergarten kid, and you go, well, why is the sky blue, and why is the green gra uh, the grass green, and, and you know, you're asking what seem to be simple questions according to your subjective ability to ask certain questions. So what I say to viewers, what question would you ask if you're an optometrist? You say, well, why are our eyes not 100% perfect, or if you're a dentist, why do our teeth, have, you know, you go on like down this yeah. chain of thought. Yeah. And a material scientist would be, you know, would ask what they felt relevant. Mm. So, but I was a clean slate and I thought, well, okay, I'll ask about the pyramids. Yeah, we're back again. We froze for a second. So the first question that you asked was the pyramids. So, Well, one of the first questions was, you know, um, where are you? So that was the really the first question. So I passed that question and answer phase and that, then I got merged uh then was i needed to i felt like there was a shift to ask bigger questions more humanitarian based questions that i don't know how i shifted from john singular to the collective i don't know i can't answer that mm. whether that was pre-programmed into me prior to this birth mm -hmm. only to be released during this experience mm -hmm. which is another notion of uh, predestiny versus choice so, you know, we get through the whole concept. Well, was I meant to have this NDE? Was it all planned? Mm. You know, do you know, you know what I'm saying? I do. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, that came later. I wasn't thinking that during the experience, mind you. So you so said, said, what's the deal what with the, the pyramids? <laughs> yeah. I said, well, what, what were the pyramids made for? And it answered me very directly. And it said it was used to communicate with entities throughout the universe. Uh, entities. I thought, entities. I thought, what? Um, aliens, you know? Yeah. So, but they're not alien. They, and this, this is when we start to get into some real subtle aspects of who we really are. Um, yes, there's entities right throughout the universe. It did not say, you know, how many or they are, and the universe is infinite. It's not a definable. I mean, mathematicians and scientists love to define how big something is by yeah. using measurable. Well, those measures will keep shifting because we don't understand what the word infinite means mm. because not only is there an infinite uh, physical space, a, a spectrum of recordable dimension, but we've got interdimensions as well. You've got to remember, I found out later that this light is at 50 times the speed of light. And so there's dimensions and they expand and they interconnect. They, they, uh, they somehow permeate through all the lower dimensions so the light's in everything, but it's also there's shells of, of inaccessible forms of light.
Yeah, so, so I'm just going to interject just a second. So it's so funny because I was talking about this when I was away. You know, we're all, we're labeling everything, calling it the third dimension, the fourth dimension, the fifth dimension. And it's just speed of frequency. It's just different yes. qualities of yes. frequency. But anyway, go on. Uh, and well, it's not, and it's not uh, quantifiable either. It's, quantifiable. it's more of a qualitative thing where you, it's not, you can't mathematically measure it. I'm right. sure that will be the job for the scientists to work in the area of light mechanics and things like that. I did study a bit of that uh, loosely when I got back. So getting uh, back to the pyramids there, they yeah. were. Well, I was shown, this is where it got interesting because it told me initially telepathically that it was uh, used to communicate with entities throughout the universe. So I mm -hmm. thought, okay. Uh, which then I, it prompted more questions. I thought, well, what ET, aliens, you know, like ETs, aliens, you know, I thought, wow, okay, so we're not alone. Then, because I didn't understand certain aspects, because there was only one great pyramid current, not hundreds of them. And so I'm sorry, but anthropology is 100% wrong. Egyptology is 100% wrong. They were not pyramids initially. They were initiation chamber. There was an initiation chamber, and it was designed for those uh, few back then to have a near-death experience and realize the whole universe was one. Oh. Now, this was the purpose, and kings, pharaohs, then were caretakers to guide the people through the lower dimensions on Earth because we're below one speed of light. They would then be caretakers. And they would do these ritual plays, a play, like a pantomime, and they would use the cosmos as their stage. And the stars, the moon, the sun, the flow of nature, the seasons, they were all incorporated in the most tightly ritualized form of um, belief. And that belief um, was so tight that every few days there might have been a ritual or the Nile would flood and it was all based around Egypt. And I'm sorry, but it, I saw it as a rainforest. I was shown it was full rainforest and that the ocean came up almost a quarter of the Great Pyramid. That's why the flipping door is 17 and a half meters off the ground. Wow. Right. And I've put all of this detail. I can prove it. I've put this detail in my book, yeah. uh, God's Mountain. And I'm not plugging the book. But I talk about why the doors and all the pyramids are at differing levels. Mm -hmm. And you've got to start from the starting point of the Great Pyramid. Uh, there's boat pits underneath. Why would they need boats in a desert? Mm -hmm. You know, well, what was the relationship? What was the use of boats? Why? But this was all part of the visualization process using the water reflecting the Great Pyramid with the night sky and it would form a giant diamond uh, right. what we call a fish's mouth right wow, yeah. and so there's all these ancient stories which i haven't even decoded yet i know what they mean but i haven't fully decoded them and put them down in writing these these particular geometric thought forms they, they are thought forms as they call it sacred geometry they were also incorporated into the higher rites of the great pyramid uh, and so People of uh, this is when we start to get into religious narrative about the Nephilim and who were the giants and all of this ancient dialogue, which is again another hour or two of discussion. Um, because the ancients, and I got all of this in the downloads, that the ancients uh, they weren't talking about literal giants. This is total garbage, because they measured um, they measured people uh, via 
consciousness uh, paraphrased within what they call astrotheology. So the gods, the human gods were connected with the planets. They knew the knowledge of astrology. Okay. Uh, just they used the knowledge of astrology. So the, the human uh, gods, for want of a better word, were closely associated with the planets. And that's why you had pharaohs who were a sun god. So they were the brightest of all of human consciousness was a pharaoh who was related with the sun. So, but it goes much deeper than that because uh, the ancient rites uh, were so heavily imbued with alignments, astrological alignments, and that, but they also had a real quality, a real uh, uh, qualitative process to them. They are magnetic bodies. The sun is a magnetic body. The earth has, is a magnetic body. The moon is a magnetic body. All the planets in our solar system are magnetic bodies. Mm. And, they, and the high priests, some high priests, knew about astrology and it was incorporated in allegory. And so they had to allegorize these movements of these minor gods, uh, which in its essence is paganism because they worshipped the planets as gods. But the there was higher initiation rites that were much more esoteric that they did not get privy to. And so, yes, this system was perfect. Um, and this is when we start to. Hmm. So let me ask you, this information you're giving us now, is that the information you were receiving from the light or is this information that you've, you've received a download from the light and then you've tried to put it all in a linear construct. And so you've kind of put it together through research both both minimum minimum research minimum right. research i can mm -hmm. tell you that um they were given to me as like great big downloads like zip files mm. so i saw them during the nde but i couldn't cognize them immediately because they were so fast it was like it planted it into my soul yeah and so it was designed that way because there was too much information so that when i came back as i expanded into that aspect of consciousness i just kept on getting hit with new information right and of course i yes uh when you start to understand the real law of attraction uh when when you have an energetic release uh, like a download then you're actually attracted to uh that information you form a magnetic attraction so you Absolutely. automatically go to it so in a sense this is also uh, heavily entwined with metaphysics and what they call the karmic body or the causal body, which is another invisible body that surrounds us. You can't escape the causal body. It is not BS. It's not garbage because we all have one. And so we have these. Do you want to explain to people what the causal body is? Yes, it's what we would call. We have uh, six subtle bodies and we have a physical body. So this is where we get into real uh, areas of consciousness and this is metaphysical study and anybody can study this it's not illegal it's not it is considered occult occult just means deeper information hidden information so the more you study metaphysics the more you start to understand about uh, yourself the, the more you know about yourself uh, the more awakened you become and the more eventually you can bridge from being human into your full coding, which is what we meant to do or what we did way back in ancient times. And they, they were done through Gnostic experiences. So, of course, we segue forward into religion. They had to destroy that because they wanted to control you. 
So they didn't want you finding out about yourself or talking to God and having communion directly. You have to come through the priesthood and you have to pay money and come to our temple and keep us in a nice, fat, wealthy lifestyle. And that's still going on today. Mm. But so that, what is the causal body? Well, the causal body uh, is where all your actions, thoughts uh, are stored. And it's like a big recorder. Everything that we talk about, even this conversation, is stored in our causal body. So it's like the like what we've called the Akashic records or the, the library. Akashic is different. That sits up a bit higher. We actually, because when we go through the review, many people do get a life review, and they they they. I've only seen a few other life reviews, mind you, so I can't succinctly say mine mine was not the same as theirs. But people will discharge the information, or they're shown the information. Uh, of what they did during their life and they at strategic points you might have been really nasty to someone or really nice so it's all balanced off good and bad actions through the cosmic lens of how we treat each other that's that's the cosmological side of this so when you die you're shown that and then if you've accrued more positive then you well i now believe in reincarnation then you're sent back to that level to restart a new life to expand hopefully step and expand further on each successive life and a lot of people don't believe in reincarnation and that's another subject in and of itself so um, so the causal body is all the information of this particular life or all your lives that's a good question most people well i'd seen in my case i saw multiple lives so my causal body uh, I probably need to, needed to know why John had incarnated into a white male uh, in Australia mm-hmm. uh, to understand and to understand that I needed to see all the other lives that I'd had previously. And there was a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So that was shown, shown to me during, but it wasn't like a, like a punishment reward system. This was a different review. I was, I thought, what am I looking at? And then I realized I was looking at me. So you, you... Let, let me explain this causal body in terms of a singular life. And this is where religion, well, the ontological, which means the study of you know, God, uh, ontology, uh, religion and Gnosticism differ quite, quite extraordinarily so. And so I need to move forward now. And when I studied uh, religion and the origins of religion and not just Western religion, um, but most of them originated through the Semitic Basin and earlier in Egypt, and then they spread out and fractionated and became different religions from, from way back four, 400,000 years ago. And a lot of people can't handle this. They can't accept it, that there was an original religion. So a lot of people designate Hinduism as the oldest religion. It is not the oldest religion at all. You know, there is some earlier than that, Sumeria, you know, and then you've got Egypt. And a lot of the uh, researchers don't want to go to Egypt uh, for whatever reasons, but we've got these massive monuments there, um, which uh, are just staggering, staggering um, engineering feats, you know. And we think, well, we've got this thing sitting there. We don't even know who or what built it, why it was built, the precision. And they're trying to tell us they built this thing in 20 years. So but I'm getting off track with, with the causal body. What happens is when you get, and this is where religion differs, and a lot of NDEs, I think erroneously, are projecting their religion onto uh, the, they're trying to grasp onto the nature of what the uh, um, 
uh, review is. And some are trying to say that, oh, you feel the pain of what you did to others. I say, I'm oh, sorry, but you don't have pain receptors. You've got no nerve endings. And God, God is reviewing you. You're not reviewing yourself. I'll say that now. Because we can't see all the angles of how uh, cause and effect. Like I do something, I speak something or say something or I do something. That knock-on effect can go into thousands of people's lives. And I can't see how, I can't see that from this John, you know, five sense perception world. But deity can. So it shows you how that light went out or that light damaged, you know, what, what you did through choice, you can either damage or you can create or destroy. This is the whole concept of light and dark that, that we control within our whole temple here on earth. So people who say that, oh, no, 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 we review ourselves. No, that's impossible because we can't see the variables. We, but you know. I think that the we review ourselves statement is not the we as in the personality linear mind construct reviewing myself it's not the identity of john or car and reviewing myself it's the it's the it's the broader identity the light uh the higher self if you like or true but we we can't remain as an absolute whilst we're in relative form and this is where i this is where i i debate that and i say well i'm not god only god is god but all we can do is yes it's a it's um a process that happens when we die what happens after that, not many people talk about, and that's what I went through. And mm-hmm. this is why people think they go on to heaven or hell. And that, that God doesn't isn't a dualistic form. Mm. God's not fractionated or the light is not fractionated. And I've said this a million times that I've spoken about this. Deity is one. Deity is one. So it doesn't have little chambers to punish people afterwards because it wouldn't be one, it would be fractionated and divided against itself and isolating aspects of itself into, and the only way it does that is by incarnation, by putting it back into an incarnation, then you're isolated. We are isolated whilst we're incarnate. We are not isolated on the other side. So often people project through this anthropomorphic imagery that, oh, I'm going to see grandpa, you know, great grandpa, great grandma, and you know what? This starts to get very problematic because that denotes personality and personality is defined by culture and individuation of incarnation. So when we're born, we actually develop this through from a baby. You develop these uh, um, imprints. You develop your language. You develop your gender. You develop your culture. You develop your race, your nation. All of these things are developed whilst here. So that's all lost when you go to the other side on these deeper levels. And people well, go, oh, my it, God, and they have this sense of loss. It's like, no, no, you gain so much it's, more. It's only it, lost when you've gone to where you went to because everyone who's had, because I've spoken with many, you know, that have had different experiences, yes. either near-death experience or out-of-body experiences, are going to different, um, what did you call it, uh, speeds of light. What did you say? Where, one, yeah. below. Where they're going to different frequencies, different realms, different dimensions where different experience happens and mm. personality is still the same and you see your dead grandma and they're still in their Oh, that, There's their another reason and I can explain and, that. Yeah. yeah, there's another reason for that and I think that has a lot to do with the, uh, the bottleneck of reincarnation. We're, we're, we're bottlenecking here on the planet because... There seems to be, and this is only in my opinion, but there seems to be this absolute um, um, 
for want of a better word, they somebody or something doesn't want us to take our spirituality into our own hands. As soon as you realize you're in charge of your own spirituality, you can control your incarnations, that which involves reincarnation and the cycle of reincarnation, okay? But if the church, they say, no, 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 we're going to tell you when you get to heaven. So you see they're putting us underneath that vibration of below one speed of light. And the problem is these high priests that are now ruling, they can't get there themselves. They've never had an NDA. And if they did, they would be totally different and they would leave the church system well, because the church system doesn't model Gnostic experience in yeah. their model. You know what? I would suggest that that has been the case in the experience that we've been through on planet Earth, and but that's changing. And your experience and you sharing your experience is ultimately, all part of is all part of that change. You know, you experiencing what you experienced, and then sharing that with others and spreading that knowledge is a part of the shift coming out of that what you call control or being you know being dumbed down or whatever. That's a very the, good point. That's a good point, Karen, and I'll, I'll, I'll actually intercede there because, yes, I can share the experience, but I cannot give you the experience. I, I can't recreate the experience in you. And this is where, this is the moot point. This is the important point, that until we start to ask, right. we're not asking. We're, most people aren't asking, and I found this, and this is really important. People would rather just listen to other people say, no, no, you're not growing just by listening to me. That is not personal growth. No, but. That's like listening to the TV. But, but you said it before. Thought, when you were getting these packets of thought and then you were like diving into them and then you were attracting more information, that's the thing. As you place your focus on that's thought. That's a good point. That's a good You're point. attracting. So people yeah. listening to your story and contemplating yes. what you're going to and visualizing it. Now yeah. they're, they're diving into a packet of thought and they're attracting more of that same consciousness to them. That's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. And we can, I can actually seg segue that or juxtapose another subject uh, down here. Now let's bring it back to earth. Uh, what I'm realizing now is we're actually all going through a near death experience collectively. Now, I'm okay with it because I've been there, but others won't be because they they've not they don't like the expansion because with the expansion of knowledge, yeah. if people have an habitual mind where they're comfortable with their habit, they're comfortable with their beliefs, and I now know that beliefs are not uh, open; they're a closed system. A belief is an is an absolute closed. This is this. This is that. And what happens is when the energy starts to increase. That belief, for want of a better word, is like a bubble. It it's forced to expand and they go, no, 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 I want to keep, no, I want my belief like this. But eventually the energy becomes too strong. It expands it and shatters it. Mm. That's a very, it's a very brutal process. People who aren't ready, as you know, prior to having a spiritual awakening and then having it can be quite brutal. It was brutal for me. It just totally ripped my life apart. And so, well, it would rip your identity apart. Yeah, like everything. What, so what, everything. What I'm hearing, your attachment to your uh, to who you thought you were. So what I'm hearing is, as we're yeah. expanding, I love that you said we're going through a global near death experience. That is we are. Brilliant. Yes. So we as are. we're expanding, yeah. it's ripping apart our attachment to our identity and the constructs of who we think we are as humans. 
who I think I am as this, you know, white girl born in Australia, this age, blah, blah, blah. It's sort of and what we're capable of and what we're well. capable of. It's so ripping that apart. And people are trying to hold on to the old identity. No, this gives me security. And then when you rip it apart, you're sort of in this unstable, like, who the hell am I? Where am I? What am I supposed to do? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a and this scary is, well, kind of- hopefully this is where, you know, and this comes back to what you said, the sharing that, that it's okay. People have been there and done that. Mm. I think the Hopis put out a prophecy and they said it was like a river and that uh, people who hang on to the side of the river, they're going to get dashed on the rocks, let go of the rocks, get into the middle of the river, recognize who's on that mm. in the middle of the river on that journey, that flow, because it's speeding up like mad. Yeah. And people are realizing there's this, uh, you know, collective exponential explosion happening. You're not going to shut this down. You're dealing with consciousness, which is indefinable in some levels, undefinable. I don't know what the right word is, but it's beyond the boxes that we thought we had. And that's possibly why many have reincarnated to come back to remind people, hey, this isn't just the be all and end all. There's much more to this. So... Mm-hmm. And we're going through a shock in the world at the moment, politically, environmentally, there's so many levels that the world is being shocked out of complacency uh, on many levels, which is another conversation in and of itself. I know, John, so, we can go so many places and we yeah. can for about five hours, but I just yeah. sort of want to get your story. Uh, so you, you're in the light. You asked about the pyramids. They showed you the connection to... Uh, other forms of consciousness in the universe and how yes. that forms of consciousness, what I'm understanding from your story is that that form of consciousness were called gods and we've called them aliens or ETs, but that form of consciousness with the consciousness of planets, the consciousness of other. Hi, is your son. Hi, your son walked in the room. How are you? The consciousness of what we call extraterrestrials or other forms of consciousness that are more expanded than the human consciousness. And what other questions did you ask apart from the pyramids, or did it just roll on? Like when you started to see more stuff, you go, "On how does that work?" And how does because there was so much information that I needed, obviously needed to know. Like I said, I was this open slate. And that's when uh, I got these downloads taken back in time to see who we were. And I was taken back and I saw hominids, uh, multiple species. I saw that they'd been um, genetically modified. And I know a lot of people hate this subject and they think this is satanic and horrible, but it's like, no, it's not. It's I don't label anything good or bad. It just is. That's, you know, I accepted it because that's what was shown to me. And then anthropologically and biologically, it makes sense because we're bipedal humanoids and we know we're very similar to apes. Even in behavioral studies, we have very similar uh, ape behavior. And this is, this is when we start to understand um, that we are half animal and we're half divine. Uh, this is a really important subject because this, this opens up a massive can of worms in religion and early religions and why there was a structure the way it was, uh, hierarchical structures. And most of them, yes, were patriarchal, um, but I don't want to get into that argument in a modern cultural context because it has nothing to do with the origins of mankind, you know, these modern cultural dialogues. In fact, they're so uh, twisted and distorted that they actually don't even connect because you have to be super open-minded and ready to uh, not be judgmental with this and look at us as um, a whole collective species. As soon as we start dividing, splitting, uh, dissecting, looking for the flaws, you're gonna find them. 
that's that's deconstructionism. Art's yeah. full of deconstructionism. You know, we study this in the arts. Uh, but then you have another form of reconstructionism. Let's focus on the commonalities that we want love. Uh, we want no war. We want uh, happiness. We want races to get along with each other because they haven't for thousands of years. And we're thinking, well, we can analyze this, but there's also a method of getting out of these problems. And this is up to the individual to start asking to want to grow and become part of the human race. We need to grow up. We're like teenagers on drugs and we're tearing the place apart. We're, we're destroying everything. Do we want to keep going down that path or do we want to grow up and start taking responsibility? This is when we start to get into the elders, like indigenous people who were at one with the planet. They'd come into alignment, harmony and balance. And it wasn't through being primitive. It was about being aware they were aware of these vibrational forces. They were aware of the planet on so many levels. They were not worshipping the planet. They were harmonised with it. So even just, just like the mycelium, just like the mushrooms just like and the, mycelium. the trees. It mm. strips the ego down. It strips mm. the ego down and you start to listen to the planet. Mm. And that's what my art process and is about, what do you is need? listening. Yeah, which is a feminine, it's a feminine receptive. It's a feminine receptive energy, which we all have as male and female gender. We just start to listen Mm -hmm. with our body, with everything, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So just in time, I'm sort of going to speed you up a bit. So when you came back from this experience, you're in your tent, you've like woken up, what, you wake up in the morning? Was this sort of happening yeah, while you're I thought your it was the next morning, but it was a couple of days. So I lost a, I lost a day. Wow, okay. So I was gone for two days. And, um, yeah, my flatmate and, back then was a bit concerned, but I right. came back on the Monday instead of Sunday. And I and, was very disoriented and a bit dehydrated, yeah. Mm. And, and uh, look, trying to, you know, coming back from that expansion back into a, a linear mind body spirit complex into a human form with an ego mind and all well, that I didn't, I didn't that expansion didn't carry with me initially the event did yes but this is when it really went crazy and uh, I I would would have been locked up in the mental asylum because right, uh, yeah. it took 7 years to actually uh, expand into this John something happened maybe through the merge I don't know it's like I started to change and that's when yeah. I, uh, the patterns in my thinking changed, everything changed. And I, that's when I started to go, I got worse actually. I, I went, started going bonkers and I couldn't put two words together. I, I mean, I could still communicate like I am now, but not at the eloquent length that I can now. Back then it was just like, I saw the light and this and that, and, this, that, that, and I was just all over the shop. <laughs> so it was this fragmented experience. And, I, and, I, and, this, and it went into me and, and it's like, just going, what the? I know you know it's like it's just so it it took many years to actually settle down and then I had to start to recognize uh what was going on in my life in terms of the flow of my life because I'm still working for corporate and doing illustrations and working with you know normal people and then all of a sudden that falls apart and I couldn't hold it together and and I could start seeing all the things that were wrong you know, like, no, no, this system's wrong. No, no. And I, thought, no I was arguing and getting argumentative and, now, and then belligerent and I lost my friends and it was I wanna, just I want to just, you know, stay on that point for a minute. It's so interesting with people that are waking up, what I've noticed is that when you do 
see the beauty of how it can work, right? As you saw with the universe and the light and the trees and experience to the love when you see who we can be and who we are who we are actually then you come and back into a system of how we're exploring who we're not the human mind can get very fixed on seeing everything that's going wrong that's what happened with me but that's a bit of a trap as well because as you as you've so eloquently explained attracts thought right so yes. consciousness attracts consciousness so when we're focused on what's going wrong and there's a lot going wrong in our world as old paradigms are collapsing chaos is reigning you know 2020 2021 here we come and what i'm seeing is people awakening and then being fixated on what's going wrong and then as you focus on it you expand it and, and so um rather than seeing that how can we turn this around and being fixated on how I can create more of what I know to be true of who I am and what's possible. Well, you've, yeah, that's a good point. And you've, you've um, mentioned three, I'll break that down into three parts. First of all, there's observation. Okay. Mm. We observe and we end up, unfortunately, at the consciousness judges all the time, good and bad. We split right. this into good and bad. Right. I, I'd like to say rather than it's not just uh, there's another aspect to that. It's not just focusing on the negative. It's about exposing the negatives. That's a big difference. Say, for example, if there was a pedophile ring, um, it's hidden. It's implicate. It's not in the mainstream eye. So once that's exposed and the negativity then comes out, this is a no- it's OK. It's a normal process. So the exposure then comes out. We go, oh my God, that darkness. Mm. It's horrific. It's horrific. You know, we're, you know, society is destroying our kids. Well, war's been going on, but kids is something so primordial in all of us. You know, when we have kids, we realize, you know, you want to try and keep them precious, protected. And then when all this yucky stuff comes up, we go, no, I don't want to see that. You know, first of all, there's denial, shock, anger. Then there's this acceptance and then you get this reaction from the public and say, hang on, then we've got to start to, once it's exposed, then we say, well, how are we going to fix this? And so you've, you know, I'd go through multiple phases of consciousness here and the, the processes of consciousness. Uh, and um, so we have institutionalized problems in this area, as a lot of people have been talking about. So we're still going through the exposure phase Yes, we will. The healing phase will take time, card. It won't happen overnight. First of all, we as a collective species, you know, there's going to be uh, so many different levels and reactions to this. That's and that and that's kind of like uh, Jordan Peterson's a good one who says that uh, he's uh, recently written. Um, uh, he's hit the scene as a psychologist, a practicing psychologist. He's a very intelligent man, highly intelligent, um, and uh, he's a professor or a doctor of psychology, so he knows what he's talking about. And he says, uh, he put it into a subjective framework, which I like, and he said, well, not everyone is going to resonate to that particular, you know, area. That's fine. He says, well, they just let, let it wash over you. He said, there comes a point when something really bothers you personally or me personally or someone else. And there's a point when you can't let it go. You have to re- resolve this. Mm. That's why you've come and incarnated to resolve that specific issue. Absolutely. Now, it could be the issues, you know, could range, you know, it could be a library of issues, but there's some issues that we just cannot pass. So 
that's an individual spiritual realization that someone must make for themselves. Uh, so I have personal things that I need to uh, work with. You have personal things that you need to work with. So everyone has a role to play in this uh, whole hologram. Expansion, yeah. An expansion. Some hold the love. Fine, yeah. I've got no problems with love. That's what it's all about. But some are warriors and they dig deep and it's like going right down into the darkness. You're, de mm -hmm. you're going into density here. You're pushing into way below one speed of light to put light in there, to push it out so that the whole planet becomes a light vehicle. So you have to go into dark areas. A lot of people, it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. I mean, we're getting into areas of shamanism here and shamans were very good at this in the ancient times. They would yeah. do this. And not everyone is a shaman. Believe me, everyone throws this word around. It's not a... It's not that easy to be I a shaman. I know many of them. <laughs> I know many right. people calling themselves shamans. I don't shaman. even like the word because we've but, kind of distorted it in a sense, yeah. And especially when women call themselves shaman, it was like shaman. Anyway, that's another subject. But, you know, like going <laughs> yeah, back, yeah, well, good going, going back <laughs> to this shawoman, <laughs> like, like, what do I call you? Shaw Shaw person, Shaw <laughs> I don't know. Shaw person. Going back to duality. So when you're in the light, you experience the unity and the oneness of all things. And, yes. you, and you said a couple of things that were really poignant. You said, and that's when you started crying. Like I'm in this, I'm in this love like you cannot believe, and and it brings up this emotion. Like why would I want to come back? Why would you want to leave that? And then in the next uh, sentence or in the next paragraph, you said, you know, the light it, it creates the dark so that the light can understand itself more fully. So it's created. No, no, this no. It doesn't create the dark. The dark pre-exists. The light existed prior to the darkness the light comes into the dark and pushes into darkness to bring light into dark it doesn't create the dark the dark is a void area it's like remember that void i was telling you about when i crossed mm. over that void is like a magnetic void it's something where the light the light is a magnetic force okay when the bang happens it pushes out but there's also this pulling back in and those binary forces, their dualistic forces are prevalent in everything. And science will never, ever, ever get past this binary process, this duality. Of, they, they call them weak and strong forces. I apply that weak and strong force to God, but they don't want to go there because God is too, no, it's too religious. It's too this, that, and the other, you know. So these binary forces, there's darkness, and then the light pushes into that darkness right the light then go doesn't create it like well is it self-create look this is a, a question that i don't know if i can answer it that's what that you know but the whole of point of it about. was by exploring mm. the darkness or the density are you, you talking are, about human consciousness or in a higher dimension here? in all dimensions like exploring right. the difference or exploring the polarity or exploring the contrast you yes. understand the light even better so it, 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 like this is the many, many analogies of this. If you okay. live in a, if you live in a climate that is only heat, and somebody says, "Oh, let me okay. tell you about okay. snow," or yeah. "Let me tell yeah. you about yeah. cold," you can't yeah. really understand it unless you go there and experience the cold. And then yeah. when you come back into the heat, you know the heat in a new way that you've correct. You, okay, so, you're talking about okay physical attributes. Uh, well, uh, well, that's just using an analogy to to yeah, yeah, you know sure. to know the light. You have to yeah. like unknow the light to know the light. And so well, that's a, mm, and that's a very question, good point. And then the mm -hmm. question that you asked is why would you ever want to come? And the that's the answer. That's exactly the answer. Like um, that's why you come. 
to explore the darkness so that you can for know. some yeah, no for some yes and no because remember there were people who incarnated here who knew about uh dark aspects of consciousness they had to learn about this prior to humanity arriving so there was a seeding that knew about say our shadow our dark aspects of our subconscious which would be in our archetypal realms and this is where a lot of people don't understand when they have an nde they may just be having an nde into their own archetype but it keeps it goes further than that they might and so yeah. that's why they see these dark hell realms or they might see these heavenly uh constructs but these constructs are pre uh preconceived in their own minds i can't say that definitively because i'm not them but since studying metaphysics we have a strata of consciousness and there's four levels to it okay you got the or be delta theta um alpha and then beta most people are in beta consciousness and they might fringe or, or just touch into their dream state which might be delta slant theta mostly delta sorry mostly theta but to get into the delta realms you're getting into the upper echelons of archetype and just even describing the energy involved in that level is is um very uh difficult abstractionists artists have been delving into those areas for quite some time where there's no form so but the point being is dark and light uh, are in their primordial essence here and um this is when it filters down then filters down into our intuition then it filters down into the mental plane then it filters mm. down into the emotional physical forms of consciousness but people think that they may have you know uh gone into heaven when they went in and saw that it's like no no because if you had any imagery whether it be anthropomorphic whether it be uh constructed temples or gold and whatever things you can it's not it goes further than that but that doesn't answer the question um we were talking about dark and light so on return me specifically i was guided to my own darkness the darkest areas of my mind and it was it was a test i realized it was a test to really <clears throat> um to know the difference very stri very strictly about right and wrong there were no delineations or gray areas there are taboo and there's things that you do and there's things you don't now for me i see all of humanity uh, and their potential this does not mean to say they have the potential yet they haven't manifested their potential to manifest your full divine potential can sometimes take thousands of lifetimes i'm not there yet um i've got the potential to try to achieve that in this life after having seen been through my nde there's a big mm -hmm. difference so, so sorry i went on a bit of a side rant there yeah. <laughs> sorry it happens i do John. that I, i do that it happens you do <laughs> mm. so with your art So you're obviously an illustrator so you're already an artist like mm. when i look at your art i you know see your attempt just like you said to somehow stay still enough to just represent energy that you experienced on the other side um, i wanted to talk with you about what's just happened like we've just come through the 21st of december activation and as i was saying i was together with people in the in the forest doing all sorts of things and during the during that hour or two that we were all doing it i started to see colors and activations and sacred geometry and it actually blew my mind 
because I didn't expect to see anything. Like we were no, just sitting no. meditating and I saw mm. these little blue lights dancing and then yes. the blue lights turned into like a pyramid of multiple colors. And it was just, yeah. I can't even explain what I saw, right? So when I see your art, I'm seeing someone trying to explain what they saw in art. Is that is that sort of getting there? Like uh, Yes and no. Yeah, I mean, mm. I think let's go back to that uh, particular ceremony, which was an important one for Uluru. I mean, the original, I spoke with Evan and um, Stephen Strong a couple of months prior, mm -hmm. um, personally. Um, I'd known about them for years and uh, we finally got to chat. So I, got, I arranged to get them a couple of podcasts, which um, they did. And I thought it was very important, uh, not just for Indigenous people, but for the whole of the planet. See, uh, I would like to see there's a lot more people wanting to align with Indigenous beliefs and understand Indigenous beliefs. But this particular one um, I felt was more important for some reason. I got an alarm bell uh, two months ago or an intuitive flash that it was much more important than many people may have assumed. Um, yes, it's important on some levels of uh, nature, but we're talking about some pretty esoteric material, you know, Pleiadian boxes, magic boxes coming and manifesting over the rock. And, um, you know, and for us, Uluru is some people, yeah, you're going to say, well, I, what I feel like just has just happened, like you, when you talk about your experiences of uh, let's call them dimensions or realms or, or speed yeah. of frequency, like you said, that mm. was 50 above the speed of light. Like you were It's really inconsequential to mention right. a number really, because it doesn't uh, but make I know, any but sense we've got, to we're talking, so, we're well, talking, we're in a linear mind construct yeah, and we're yeah, talking sure. in that fashion. So, so what I see has happened is we've just sped up the frequency. Like it's just been sped up a bit or like we've shifted to a new yeah. Period. Well, correct. And this is if, if this I write about this in my book. Uh, one of the original purposes of the Great Pyramid is that it was actually also connected to the gravitational field of Earth. Right. And I go into great detail into why and for what purpose. Um, you know, this gets into ancient cataclysms like Velikovsky talked about comets, and a lot of people promote that. It's a fear promotion. And I'll say right now that none of the uh, alignment shafts in the Great Pyramid would actually line up if we if we'd been smashed off our axis. So, you know, because those alignment shafts do link up to ancient Egyptian gods and stars. And so there was, a, there was a very heavy connection between stars and gods, like Osiris and Isis, for example. My argument is that, no, we weren't smashed off, um, off our axis and caused us to wobble and throw the planet, causing the dinosaurs to disappear. But I do go into that in the book. It's too vast to go into because I'd be here for hours again discussing so it. What do you think has just happened during this 21st alignment? Well, it's just another shell that's broken. It's either right. an expansion or we contract. And I do mention this in my book about the relationship between the gravity of light, time, space and gravity are all connected to our consciousness. We're in a gravity trap. Our consciousness is trapped by gravity. Well, we can it. break out. We can break yeah. out of it. And yeah. that's what these, that's what these uh, punctuated. And this is not just any old ceremony, but this is a collective ceremony because there's singular gravitational forces on our consciousness and there's collective gravitational forces. And that's what these yes. rituals, these collective rituals do is they're lifting up not only us, but they're lifting the gravity of the planet. Yeah, absolutely. And once that changes, guess what? That affects evolution. We get back to Rupert Sheldrake where everything evolves, we vibrate, we change. I mean, this is why we're getting so many cataclysms and stuff happening 
because there's these two fluxing forces, this, you know, there's this lifting happening, trying to get above the gravitate, the old gravitational force. Once we lift it, that lowered gravitational force will implode into duality, sometimes war, because they can't, they can't sever the boundary between the other subject, object, you, me, this, that. The they can't break that paradigm. So, so me... what happens is they smash together like a homeopathic, they smash together. Like a homeopathic. That makes sense. Yeah. Let, in let the lower ask... realms, in the lower realms, yeah. Let me ask you, what did you experience? Did you go into meditation? Did you put your feet oh, on the earth? What did you do? Yeah, I got a fair bit of stuff, but it's like similar to you. Yeah, I got, I got some yeah, sacred geometric stuff. There was other stuff that came as well, but I don't really talk about it because I, you kind of get hooked on it. I didn't see any spaceships, but well, I, I did see. You didn't see I any did, spaceships. Look, not this or, time. Not this time, anyway. I have in the past, but not this time. Well, yeah. when you talk about your NDE and you yeah. talk, and I look at your art again, you know, it's just this color, and and it's so interesting. There's this movie called oh, now I forget it. The where these people go into this. There's a shimmer. It's called the Shimmer. It's a horror yes. movie, unfortunately, but it's got some constructs that are quite interesting. And they go into this other dimension, but it's seen as a shimmer and it's seen like a multicolored sort of liquid. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just and, trying to think. Natalie, Natalie I, Portman. Natalie Portman was in it. Yes. And what I saw when I was in meditation during that, those hours of that activation, yeah. after all this geometric movement and color and mm. thing, there I saw what, and I thought, wow, that looks like that movie and the, the shimmer. And it sort of looked a bit like I was trying to explain it to somebody afterwards. When you put oil on water yes, and then you see all the colors in the oil. and but you Well, see that was the, in that film. They definitely had that as the wall before they entered it. Yeah. Like that. And yeah. that's what I saw. Like, uh, I think I was asking questions. So what does all this mean? A bit like you and your near-death experience. Like, okay, you're showing me all this stuff. What does all this mean? And it was almost like they were showing me the new, the frequency sort of look more like that. I don't know. It, it is hard to see it and try and make some sort of sense out of it to explain. Sure. It. And look, uh, maybe we're not meant to make sense initially. Yeah. And maybe we're going to get, uh, we, it'll come later. And that's the whole beauty of going into that dark area that we've never been before we're entering into a new environment, a new consciousness environment. A lot of people, um, they're not, well, they're excited. Some are excited. Some are a little bit, you know, again, a whole range of emotional um, um, parentheses around this kind of experience. And I, look, I've had so many experiences similar and beyond that I kind of, I don't talk about them much. I think the NDE is a peak experience, but as we get through this dimensional shift, um, what the outcome look i don't know i mean you, everyone has a crystal ball and claims they can you know they know this is going to be us i don't know just remain open we, we really don't know what the mystery is and that's that's where we have to have faith going through this dark period and this is something that the old old school doesn't like they like knowns they like to have comfort they like you know this is the old system that system's breaking down. It's like we're being overwritten with new software. And get over it, chumps. You know, it's like you're not going to be able to make your investment off stock market and shares and gold. This stuff's irrelevant. I couldn't care how much gold you have. It won't help you when you go into these dimensions. And in fact, when you die, you're going to lose it anyway. You can't take it with you. It doesn't mean you can have, you can have all your teeth removed and put gold and platinum teeth. 
well, I'm sorry, but then someone's going to, you know, pick your teeth out when you go, you know, it's like they're gone. Speaking of that, I was reading on your Facebook this morning that you had a vision at the beginning of 2020 about the stock market, about a financial collapse. Correct. Do you want to, and then the the stock market did surge, didn't it, at the beginning of the year? I'll admit I miscalculated because (laughs) the vision was, and I I still stand by the vision, it's just that uh, because we hit records, and that was what the vision vision showed me, a green arrow going up, 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 up. stepping up like a ladder, just and it kept going up, and we hit records in America and the NASDAQ, and the Australian stock market hit 7,200, which was a record um, forever. So... Then I saw a crash coming, a global crash, and it was monstrous. So it started to crash in February, but and I thought, this is it. This must be it. But it wasn't. I don't mm. think it's happened yet. I think it's still yet to come Well, many because people- we're surging into new territory with Bitcoin and all these digital coins and the yeah. stock market's going up again. Yeah, so it's I like, know. oh, boy, no, this is like, but what crazy. I saw is massive. What I saw was massive, and it was global. Well, and many no one's getting spoken, out of this. No one's getting out of this. Uh, no. And many people have spoken about this crash. Uh, and they sort of, you know, these crashes happen and they're catastrophic for some people that are very invested in the... Correct. And that's, then the, they, that's the right word. And then they reverse. <laughs> it could take time because I know I lost like everything I had with the Bitcoin, like the last Bitcoin crash because it was like yeah. going catastrophic a few years yeah. ago and I just threw yeah. all my money into a scheme that went under. And, um, and then it's gone up again. And there's just these cyclical things. And they don't seem to ever um, really do this big crash that everyone's talking about. No, Do you think no. that's still to come? Yes, I do. Right. Mainly because the stock market and Bitcoin is working asymmetrically to business. I mean, we've got a global pandemic. Everything's shut down. You can't mm. shut everything down and expect the stock market to keep going up. But it did. Which was crazy. Of course it did. Of course it did because it's being pumped. It's being pumped by those who have unlimited amounts of money right. and input, and they can keep pumping. And you'll notice only Bitcoin's the one that's surging ahead, whilst the others, XRP and all those other little minor coins, they hardly move. They might, sure, they might go up ten percent, but from what fifty, for twenty-two cents to ninety cents, I think on XRP Ripple. So that's only like a you know four hundred percent increase on an investment. But for me my intuition warn, puts out a warning. It's like it's not hedged to anything other than a, it's a Ponzi scheme. It's, it's a global Ponzi scheme where people invest and they pull out. It's not pinned to anything other than itself. Now, with the stock market, that too is a Ponzi scheme because new investors, mums and dads, really? put money in and then the dividends are paid out by the new investors. And the people who make the real money are the big players behind the scenes who can yeah. actually do what they call pump and dump. Yeah. And they'll pump the stock market up and then they can take, you know, millions. Yeah. They put millions in and they wait for it to go up as all those mum and dad investors go in and they, they pull it. Yeah. And, there's, and it seems to be whenever there's a negative, well, it's somehow it should be tied to information through the media of events like a, an election or a war or something like that. Now, we've had threats of war, really big ones in the Middle East, and yet for some reason gold's remained under 2,000. It should be up around three or four thousand during dangerous times because people go to metals. Now, this is just a basic understanding. People jump out of currency and bonds but, and they go to other things. That's so all amorphous and moves around. But don't you, know? you think, after your experience, John, that everyone's putting their security and their value all in this stuff, like whether it's Bitcoin or metal or 
cash or investment. Well, people want both. And I know and this is, sounds very harsh, but I know some spiritual people who want both. I thought, well, you can't have both. I said, you know, like, I mean, even scriptures talk about you either worship God or you worship money and you can't have two gods because they're asymmetric. They're totally diametrically opposed. So modern, modern evangelical Pentecostal religions, which are based off prosperity theology, are basically modeling a very ancient system. And this was, uh, it's well known. It's not just the Vatican. I mean, the Vatican's a corporation, the first model of a corporation where they're selling you something intangible. They're selling you hope and a promise of salvation, salvationist theology, uh, that one day you'll be saved. But, you, but meanwhile, give us tons of your money because Jesus needs your money. Why he needs all that money, I don't know. Maybe to buy that flying white horse. I say that tongue in cheek. Got to have a bit of humor. I love Jesus, by the way. I think, you know, he, him as a, an enlightened being, yes, absolutely. But we're not practicing what Jesus taught. Jesus was against temple building, against tithing. He was against all of that. Um, he was against animal sacrifice. He was against circumcision rights, brutal rights of penis circumcision. He was against the priesthood himself being a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi. He said, you don't need all of that stuff. You can communicate with Holy Spirit or the Father directly, Acker, the light body, through your light body, this is what the new covenant was all about. And still the church doesn't get it. So all the Gnostics appeared. <clears throat> all these people having amazing experience turned up around the 60s. We, you know, I'm a, a 61 baby. So all of these amazing people started manifesting and uh, they were talking about spirituality and talking with the light and chakras and subtle bodies and sacred, you know, on and on and on. And yet they were poo-pooed and they said, oh, this new age is demonology. I thought, what? No, no, we're, we're the ones who came to wake you up. But now the church uh, formulated and Pentecostal only started around the 60s when television was invented. And it came mostly out of America. And trust me, there's over 40,000 denominations that have evolved away from the ecclesia, the main ecclesia, which was the Vatican. And they've all got false catechisms. They all still have this projection of, of uh, heaven and hell post-death. I'm sorry, but this gets into religious narrative of something I'm very well versed in. And uh, people threw back at me. They said, oh, well, this reincarnation is a lie. I said, it's not a lie. Judaism believes in reincarnation. Look it up. Gilgul and Tikkun. Tikkun means rectification. And the rectification comes through multiple rebirths. Uh, the rectification is involved around the original fall of man from the Garden of Eden, right? So you have to have thousands of rebirths to actually rectify us and get us back to the, the Garden of Eden or the promised land, which is a state of consciousness. It's not a place. And so you've got all of these uh, schools of thought that have literalized it into a literal Israel, literal Jerusalem, a literal place, a literal uh, interpretation, which is not how it is. Um, there is a spiritual Jerusalem. There's a spiritual Israel, which is actually akin to Nirvana and Shambhala. And this is all to do with uh, other teachings called Merkabah, um, Merkabah Ascension Mechanics, Merkabah Ascension Doctrine, which is all 
uh, paraphrase through Ezekiel's visions, but I'm getting off track again. You are. <laughs> There's so much to talk about. There is so much to talk about. When are you yes. writing your next book? I'm not going to write another book yet because I it's so time-consuming. It took me eight years just to get that one out. <laughs> yeah, so, but the first I, one's always the hardest. Then, then, then once well, that's true. Of, once that's you've true. done it, it's like easier. Um, well, and and well, are yeah, you going yeah. to start doing running some courses? Like this conversation has gone in so many places. We could break Correct. this conversation down I know, into I know, at least I know. 20 or 30 courses, just one subject and then go down that path and, you know, yeah. like just yeah. lectures, if you like, lectures. or Well, firstly, um, we're, we're, we're a strange people in a strange land. Here we are, Anglo-Saxons. Uh, so we've... Um, moved from the other side of the planet, whether by default or choice or through slavery, we've been moved around the planet. We're off country, so to speak. So if people want to get involved with Australia, then yeah, it helps to go through the Indigenous elders. They hold 100,000 years plus of, of, of knowledge of just this country alone. So they know the places. So go to them. You know, I can't teach that stuff. Yes, I've been to sacred sites, but that's You've got to come in the right way, as you know. You have to come in the right way, and working with elders is pretty a good way of doing it. Tell me something. Have you yeah. spoken with Evan and Stephen since uh, since Sunday, since Monday? No, no, no. They'll be they'll be busy. I'm sure they're probably inundated with people wanting to. Somebody said to me over the them. weekend, uh, yeah. get Stephen back on the show to talk. Yeah, about no, what... I love them both. They're great guys. I mean, from I haven't spoken with them much, but they they do have some good knowledge, some very good knowledge. Well, I just want to hear what they experienced. I mean, I know what I experienced. Um, as I yeah. asked you what you experienced, I don't think you went there because you went off on another tangent. But what well, did you? Well, I did experience. Yeah, I had some very powerful experiences, but it's the outcome of what the purpose of the meditation was. Remember, this was about getting the critical mass to open the box. And I have an idea what that box is. And it may, only in my, only in my opinion, I do not want to step on elders' toes. I believe it was the original Ark of the Covenant. Well, I don't exactly know what that is. But that exactly. could be a whole other conversation. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that, that, it was the original spiritual teachings from when mankind arrived on this planet. So basically, it's just been almost like a release of more knowledge. If it's if it can be open, available yes. to the collective, it, who are on that vibration, who are a vibrational match to that, right? Yes, and we have the potential now to step into it, or we cannot step into it. So if that box is not opened, I don't like to. Stephen and Evan have spoken about it. I don't like the outcome. We'll have, have to I've wait. Had visions, I've had visions about that, and I, it's they're very amorphous. They're very hard to pin down. Mm. We do have to wait to see, but if we can hold that potential of the positive and moving forward, we might we might have um, a, a positive outcome. I just can't say yet. It's too early. So this is why I don't even think Stephen and Evan will be able to say yet. I don't think the L. I don't think anyone can. Mm -hmm. This is something beyond. Um, outcomes based it takes years for sometimes outcomes to manifest two or three mm. years maybe longer it just does. depends on how, how many people manifest it's about manifesting our own archetypal potentials and, and beyond our spiritual bodies i mean it gets into a lot of stuff how many want to break free of the fear break free of the system and really step into the river and move forward have no fear and uh, go to where we're meant to go 
which was pre-programmed into us before we got here. Beautiful. So it's about just following who you are deep down. It's following your divine path. Know you thyself. Anyone else's path because it's yours. It's, it's yeah. for you. But so, it's got a common purpose. You know know thyself common. would be the message and thyself would be that light that you experience. That Spot on. All-knowing, all-encompassing, unified, bliss, I don't your know, wisdom mind, your wisdom mind, your Karen, wisdom and that's not mind, my wisdom yeah. mind, but we do have a commonality up yeah. there somewhere, if yeah. that makes sense. An outcome, yeah. an altruistic outcome for people who are, uh, transcend our mortality, our children's children's children. We're yeah. trying to fix up and rectify all the damage, which we can't do it alone, but collectively we can. Yeah. yeah. If we want to, if our will, you know, pushes and says, yeah, we want to fix this. So it's going to be a time of chaos. I think we're entering a time of darkness. We're in a time of chaos. You know, we got it's back chaos. from we got back from the um, we did the closing ceremony yesterday, and we were talking about we'd been off the grid, off the internet, no mobiles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we heard, and then we heard right at the end that um, you know, in Sydney, um, some more people had been identified as COVID and so yep. they just shut down everything. So two days before Christmas, no yeah. one can gather more than 10 people or you're going to be fined a thousand dollars. And then no and, dancing or singing, no dancing or singing. <laughs> and then as I drove home, you know, like just drove past my local shopping center with all the restaurants, they're all shut again. You know, you come out of the oh. and chaos reigns supreme in the city. Yeah. I was driving past uh, Randwick with all their restaurants. and uh, Yeah, yeah. I've got a place. gallery down that way. I've got a gallery at, uh, on Edgecliff Road, Soho Gallery. So if anyone's around that area, go buy a painting and make my Christmas, please. So that's <laughs> your gallery? No, it's Nigel Messenger. He's the, uh, he's the uh, gallerist. He owns the gallery there. And you've so. got work in there. You've yeah, got yeah. I'm represented in Soho Gallery in Sydney. and uh, Soho Gallery, what's the address? Uh, it's Edgecliff Road, so I think it's from memory, uh, one fifty-four Edgecliff Road. Oh, nice. Uh, so it's yeah. yeah, they're down there. They've got a very small space, but they've got another space at Mossman as well. But um, yeah, yeah, you can contact the gallery there if people want to see artwork. And if people want to see more of your artwork, it's on your website, John. Yeah, johnscottartist.com. Yeah. And thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, it's been a wild ride, John. <laughs> oh, well, it has. And if look, if they want, I'm not pushing my book because I don't get much out of the book anyway. The reason. Oh, I, I know. Actually, you're never going to get rich writing a book unless nah, you're. God, no. I mean, the reason writer. I nudged the book is because there was so much information I compressed in there. And I was, I did a one inch punch on it. I thought, well, if I'm going to write a book, I'll write a good one. And I'm not just going to milk people for a few little tidbits. I'll give them everything. So I gave them full barrels. And there was areas that I couldn't couldn't even touch. I mean, because they would take other books, of course. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it's yeah. more books to come from John. <laughs> well, if I can get someone who can actually <laughs> transcribe for me, it'd be nice. I can blab and they can they can write. You know, blah 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 blah. But they can write. Well, write. actually, you can do that on Airtasker or many. You just talk into a dictaphone or talking to your oh, computer. And I've done okay. that because I've got a book series, and I've I've said to people, share your stories, and they said, ah, oh, love one guy here. I can't okay. write. And so I just got him in my house, and he blabbed, and I recorded him, and then I gave it to someone to transcribe it. Done. Oh, okay. I might might have a chat there with you, you after about that. But um, <laughs> thank what are you we so up to much. five hours? <laughs> <laughs> thank yeah. you so much for being on the show. Thanks for inviting me, Karen. I appreciate it. Wow. Fascinating conversation with John. Boy, did we go all over the shop with John. I had an interesting chat with him afterwards. 
about a few things that I observed. And uh, anyway, he's got a passion to start his own gallery. He said he's excited about working from that. And I said, oh, man, you've got so much information to share. You've got to start doing your own podcasts or your own YouTube or your own courses and pick a subject and dive deep into it and like stay on that sort of trajectory and really go into that subject because did you notice that he'd sort of I'd ask him a question and he'd go into a million different religion and this and philosophy and he'd sort of go all over the shop Uh, that's that's the mind that has access to so much knowledge it's like where do I go I could could draw from so many places Um, and we do live in a linear construct you know a time space reality here on earth and so uh, we still have to work with that you know and and most people understand things by listening to it sequentially you know this happened then and then that happened then and then you know like in a linear construct Uh, but um, I suppose art overrides that he said that's why I'm an artist (laughs) he said I prefer to paint than to talk I said I can understand that his art is beautiful you should check it out Uh, I'll upload a couple of the photos of his art on the youtube for those people who uh, are watching on youtube and if you're listening on an audio podcast uh, go to his website and check it out and uh, i'll also have the affiliate link for his book on my web page with the more information about john yeah i think i'll contact him again maybe next year and see where he's at i'd love to see his gallery and uh, he said once he gets the gallery up, so he's um, in charge of his own art and how it sells and who it sells to and what it sells for. Maybe he doesn't like sort of working with uh, gallery owners. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, he said that he'll start doing lectures then. And I said, I think you need to write a few more books. <laughs> the cat's doing things over there. And, uh, yeah, so much to John's experience. Uh, there were so many places that we didn't go that I wanted to go explore, um, but it would take more time than I had today. <laughs> Thanks again for watching. I'm not going to say too much more. It's been a long podcast. It's been ages. Uh, it's. I hope you had a beautiful activation. And if you're listening to this, I, just after it's released, it's sort of Christmas time for those people who celebrate Christmas and New Year and uh, love to you all. Thanks for everyone who's been listening and watching the podcast this year and um, for all the people that have contacted me and said how much you appreciate the work and how it's changed your life. I can't tell you how I love that. I just love that. Love you contacting me saying that, you know, changes your life. I do that for that reason. I don't do these shows to make money. And if you notice, I don't put any ads on the shows Um, I've turned off all the ads I uh, I want people to focus and concentrate on what's being said and um, it's not a money-making venture I make money through doing sessions with people and then I have my online courses and uh, our weekly online deliberate creation in a sanctum journey and uh, yeah that's the way I make money so thank you for everyone that's been listening and watching I'm going to do a separate talk like this for the end of the year and just discuss some of the things that we've done on the show this year and some of the people I've spoken to. Uh, It's been a wild ride this year, hasn't it? And um, uh, only more to come, more to come. And uh, myself and many others will be here to help you and guide you 
as new world teachers and light weavers here to make a difference as we go through more deconstruction of old paradigms. We have to stay focused on what we're passionate about, what we want to see, what we want to create as the old crumbles. Stay focused on what's emerging from the new. You know, during the activation, during my time in the in the forest, uh, my beautiful friend Michelle was doing five rhythms dance and we were dancing inside because it was pouring with rain most of the time and then we went outside and danced and it was still raining but it was sort of not too heavy and we were dancing out in nature in the forest and she said to me uh, did you get anything when you're out dancing in nature and I said oh yeah I did Gaia was speaking to me strongly she said what'd you get and apparently where we were on the land there was a lots of massacres and slaughters of indigenous people original people and and lots of tribal fighting amongst them anyway a lot of distortion on the land and so we were doing lots of healing of the land and healing of the land and healing of the land mother guy said to me you don't need to heal me i'm fine if it gets too distorted i just kick you off (laughs) i could just create hurricanes or tornadoes i can just wipe you out if i don't like what's happening she says she allows she allows some distortion and she allows her children to play, you know, within her body. Uh, she said, but you don't need to heal me. I'm fine. It's your consciousness that created the distortion, not mine. It's your consciousness that needs healing. So forgive those that you have, um, you know, thought that aren't here to help you or support you, that have hurt you. And um, tune more into how you're connected to people that you judge or dislike you know, start to expand your consciousness into more connection and more unity and more love and compassion and radical acceptance and understand that you've created all of it from some aspect and level of your being. And you will be doing great service, not only to me, but to yourself and humanity and the animals and the plant life and the kingdoms and all the realms and the whole universe and cosmos and source creator. Yeah, the healing is within you. Anyway, I'm not going to talk too much longer. Uh, Thanks for watching and listening. Remember to buy the book Awaken by Death (laughs) and join the Inner Sanctum and I'll speak to you soon. Big love. Bye for now.